Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WGR Sports Radio 550. It's a very serious charge and we take it seriously, And but I want to wait and see if, is he going to be charged? Is he going to be found guilty? I don't know that. But certainly we don't like the fact that this is twice now, you know, that he's been in incidents like this and uh, it's not good for the organization, it's not good for him. Evander Kane turned himself into Buffalo Police detectives outside of our central booking office in the basement of City Court. He was brought downstairs. He was booked and processed on four counts of a violation harassment, one violation of disorderly conduct, and one criminal trespass, which is a B misdemeanor charge. They're giving him uh, appearance tickets, and seven to ten days from now we'll be back in court, and then we'll sort it out then. Whether he has done these things or not, or he is guilty of these things or not, it's not something that I like getting up in the morning and reading about, that's for sure. And we're going to let the process happen. We'll go with whatever the ruling is, and then uh, whatever the ruling is, we're obviously going to have a sit-down, good or bad, and we're going to go from there. On WGR Sports Radio 550. There it is, you heard it there. Tim Murray, Paul Gramalia, and Paul Cambria all on the Evander Kane situation. Yesterday, he was arrested and brought to Buffalo City Court. Ryan Gates, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary behind the board, all with you here for Sports Talk Saturday. Evander Kane, he was arrested yesterday, and now you heard Tim Murray there in the comments. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the process is. Well, we're another step in the process and another headline for Evander Kane here. And it brings to question now, we've already been questioning this. Where do the Sabres and where do Evander Kane go from here? And who has to take ownership for these character issues that we've been seeing with Evander Kane? Obviously, you got to put a lot of the blame on the player himself for getting himself in these situations. But Tim Murray for bringing the player in. Ownership who has, through their course of being owners here in Buffalo has taken risks on players. You see Richie Incognito with the Bills. Obviously, Evander Kane. Another Carlos Williams is an example. He had questions out of college about his character. So that's our question this morning. Feel free to give us a call, 803-0550-1888-2550. What's that number? I always mess that number up. 1-800-2550. I don't know. 1-800-2550. You know, there are these things called pens. Yeah, I know. I've got one over here. I should should definitely write that down. Uh, But Evander Kane, uh, once again, it's the same story from 
almost exactly a month ago at this point, but in the headlines again, getting formally charged with trespassing, four counts of non-criminal harassment, and the accusations are just absolutely horrifying that you see against this guy, you know, physically harassing women, essentially attacking these women, pulling their hair, grabbing them by the throat, trying to pull them out of the bar with their arms. He was a celebrity bartender at this club the night of, and from all accounts from sources that are being accessed by the Buffalo News, his actions that night are really indefensible by any human being out there. But it brings me to question like the culture around athletes and celebrities as well. And especially a guy, he's 24 years old. I'm 24 years old. Uh, but there's a lot of difference there between me and Evander Kane. He is a public figure. I'm a small time, a public figure. He's got more Twitter followers. He's got way more Twitter followers. He takes a lot more shirtless pictures than I do <laughs> on Twitter. But you can change that. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to, I don't quite have the physique that Evander Kane is showing off or the daily workout regiment that, uh, he probably goes through. I don't know if he, he sticks with that. I certainly don't. Probably not. I've seen your lunches that you bring in the afternoon. I, I don't think he eats the same thing. Uh, there are a couple different issues at play with Evander Kane. And just really yesterday, the initial reports were only that Evander Kane was arrested, which made it sound like there could be another arrest other than the charges that were involved with him before. So there was a lot of confusion there at first. And it is just another step in the process of the charges that were already being brought against Evander Kane. So just to clarify that, it's not a new issue. It's just another headline, and there will be more headlines as we go forward in the process with Evander Kane uh, as he faces these charges. But the, the couple of things at play in my mind are, I mean, the, the first one is you, you mentioned culture, and it's culture is something that I think can be way overstated, although we're going to find out with the P.K. Subban issue. Uh, we're going to have Robin Flynn from TSN 690 in Montreal to talk a little bit about that today, and we'll get her opinion on it. But I, I tend to think that anytime culture gets brought up, Montreal's uh, general manager, Mark Bergevin, mentioned wanting to have Chicago's culture. And just, I mean, the eye rolls are, I, I mean, come on, man. You mean their culture of drafting guys high and building a great team and winning a bunch? Getting super talented players, that's your culture. However, these two teams, the Bills and the Sabres, have had an uncanny amount of negative headlines. Especially over, this summer. Over, yeah, but I mean, especially last summer, too. I mean, you were talking about the Aaron Cromer thing, the Ryan O'Reilly thing. That's true. I that's mean, true. how often has it, does it seem like we're talking about somebody's going to court for something or somebody's being suspended for something? And I understand that, that these things happen in pro sports. I mean, these are they're people, but they're in the public eye. So when they have something happen, if, you know... Somebody else who wasn't famous had this happen. We would never hear about it, of course. But it does seem to be a lot of headlines, whether it's Carlos Williams or even going back to uh, LaShawn McCoy. And I know everyone can say over and over and over again, well, they weren't convicted or they weren't this or they weren't that or the other thing. But it does seem to be happening kind of a lot. And I think that both the Bills and the Sabres have put themselves in some of these situations. Some of their moves when it comes to taking, quote, 
character risks have worked out. You mentioned Richie Incognito. He's a pro bowler. He is, looks like a key part of the team going forward. And so far, that one has worked. So that brings up to me a, a very difficult question of how do you manage these things? Because if it worked with Richie Incognito, but here we are, in my opinion, saying that it didn't work with Evander Kane and it didn't work with Carlos Williams because he's on strike either two or three. Making these decisions, I think, is one of the hardest things for anyone in management in professional sports. Uh, but the amount of misses or the amount of incidents that have happened involving some of these players that we knew there were issues with before has, I think, made everyone on both of these teams look bad. And I feel like you go back and a few years ago, maybe, there, there definitely was a change in maybe the mindset and management around here, but they always talked about bringing in high-character guys, and it seemed like they weren't taking the risk on these guys who, you know, had questions about their characters, and uh, maybe it was when the new ownership came in or the new management came in for each of these teams, but they started to kind of change the way that they looked at them. We're like, all right, we'll give guys second, maybe third chances. And especially with this Evander Kane incident and the just history of Evander Kane in Buffalo at this point and how rocky it has been the whole time. He came in, he was injured when the team traded for him. So he, he really didn't have much to do. He could lay low and stay out of the headlines. But when he started playing, what, a few months in, he started with his incident at Harbor Center. And then before that even came to a conclusion, he's in the All-Star game at Toronto and missing practice and getting suspended. And then that first one comes to the conclusion without any charges. And then a few months later, the NHL draft is in Buffalo. Everyone is celebrating Buffalo for how well they have done with the NHL draft and how Buffalo has grown for a city. And it was a really positive experience for a lot of the people who came into Buffalo and got to view it in a new lens in summer, not in the dead of winter. And this headline comes out about Evander Kane and really takes away from that. And as Buffalonians, you got to be pretty upset about that because we've been dying for, uh, I don't know, acknowledgement of the city and acknowledgement of the growth and this comes out and is a huge black eye on a weekend that could have been all about that and the headlines of buffalo aren't continuing but the headlines of evander kane are and i want to get into the you you, you said you kind of roll your eyes at the the culture within teams i'm trying to talk more about the the athlete culture in general where the young athletes especially kind of feel like maybe they're invincible or above the law. Like we had accusations against Ezekiel Elliott come out yesterday with a domestic abuse incident. So do these athletes view themselves as above the law and what needs to change with that kind of culture if they do view themselves above the law, if they do tend to get away with things more than the everyday man. Give us a call, 803-0550-188-550-2550. Well, I see that. Sorry, I, I yeah, no problem. the phone there, but let me respond to that real quick. In two, I see it in, in sort of two-tiered. I mean, in one way, I say, why wouldn't they think that they were bigger than the law when every time an athlete seems to do something that gets them in trouble – they get out of it because they have lots of money and lawyers and that there always seems to find a way to be, well, you know, like, oh, he just wasn't guilty. So let's all move on. I mean, 
I mean, you could even point at Ryan O'Reilly for Precisely. an example it's of Precisely. It's a great example. I mean, if you, just from the outside viewing it, not knowing anything about the case other than the headlines, if you were to see that, like, it, okay, he was accused of doing this, and then nothing really comes from it. Ray Rice is on video punching his wife in a casino and did not spend a day in jail. I mean, all the athletes, I mean, you could just go through them and through them and through them. I just watched the O.J. Simpson documentary. And I mean, and how did he get away with murdering two people? He got away with murdering two people by having the dream team of lawyers. So if you see that as a young athlete, I don't know how you could look at it any other way than, yeah, I could get away with just about anything because I don't see any other athletes getting uh, put in jail or, you know, really serving any sort of penalty for uh, anything that they've done. Besides but it, like a light slap on the wrist, maybe some probation, community service at the most, that seems to be the highest penalty that they end up getting. But at the same time, almost all athletes are doing the right things. I mean, if it just, yes. I mean, if you're looking at the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres, we will focus on the headlines that have been made, but almost the entire roster is guys who are 25 years old or under, and they're mostly all doing the right things and representing themselves well and representing the franchise well. The football players thing. It really irritated me when pro football talk was like, how many days since an arrest? Every team has like 90 guys on the roster. I mean, you're talking about a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, some somebody's going to get in trouble for jaywalking or DUI or domestic violence or something that's going to end up here. There's just so many people. Most of them, I think, are doing the right things and not taking that attitude that they could do whatever they want. So that's when they do. You start to say, was this the right move to make? Was this the right guy to bring here? And in Evander Kane's case. I looked at his issues from the outside in Winnipeg as, well, you know, maybe just some immaturity stuff there. You've got, he supposedly didn't leave a tip. Oh, I don't care about that, really. He took a lot of pictures of himself, the money thing. I thought it was funny, but other people didn't like it. So, like, uh, you know, maybe it's just Winnipeg being Winnipeg. And I also thought at the time, too, and maybe this was still true about his issues there, that... Uh, race was involved in it, that, that making way more out of little things. But since he's come here, the issues have been worse here than they oh, were yeah. than they were there, and it's not even close. So it makes you wonder: were there things going on there that never came out in the media that have here that maybe the Sabers should have known about? And I think that's a question worth asking. The biggest thing that ever came out against him in Winnipeg was the alleged assault, maybe in Vancouver. Nothing really ever came out of that. And like you said, since he's come to Buffalo, there have been multiple incidents of sexual aggression, pretty much, against women. And it's it really is unacceptable. We're going to head out to the phones here. We got Lou in Buffalo. Lou, you are on WGR. What's going on, man? Good morning, guys. You know what? It's time to end this stuff. These guys get off way too easy. You got Le'Veon Bell. He's going to get suspended four games. This is not his first offense. When a guy gets four games, they've already been nailed once before, got a warning. You know, people want to complain about Roger Goodell and his power. I don't think he suspends these guys enough. Ronaldo McLean, this guy is useless. How many times does he get suspended? He's already missed the whole season with suspension. You know, time to get these guys out of the game for a year or two and let them sit there and not make any money. 
Well, you know, here's the thing that this brings up, too. Right. Lou, thanks for the call. One of the things that um, comes up with this is when we say just character issues, that it's just this, like, wide-catching net that is everything. And uh, just with Le'Veon Bell and his marijuana issues. Yeah, those are two completely different things. I mean, the marijuana thing is I always – I kind of have a saying around draft time is always draft the weed guy because, like, a player who gets in trouble – for smoking weed in college, it's like, I mean, I mean, that's just something that we don't really need to worry about for a professional athlete. We've got states that are making it legal, a lot of states that are making it legal. And we have an, an ex-player, now just retired, Eugene Monroe, who has argued that marijuana use is much better for pain management than some of the methods that NFL teams use. So, I, I mean, I think that when we're talking about that as a character issue... I, I get really sort of uncomfortable with saying, oh, this guy, Laramie Tunsil, got a, a photo of him, you know, smoking weed, so shouldn't draft him. Like, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys did and nobody took a picture of it. But, when, but there is a threshold for that. When, you're, when you go to the point of assaulting people or when you go to a point of it isn't just once. It's, it's, it's how many issues in Winnipeg to where they could make a whole giant list in an article of them, and then we come here and we've got our own list already and we're only two years in. And I, I think your history, and this goes into Carlos Williams too, maybe Carlos Williams is suspended for weed, but we've got a history for him that's already getting pretty deep. And maybe that's where the line needs to be drawn. But I, th- I think it's very, very tough to decide which guys, um, which issues that you just go, nah, no big deal. And which ones you say, no, this is where I'm going to have to say I draw the line. For me, it's, it's, it's easier for me to look at something and draw the line. If you're hurting other people with your actions, that's where me, I personally draw the line. So something like this Evander Kane situation or the Ray Rice situation a few years back, which no one was really even clamoring over the Ray Rice thing too heavily until that video came out. And that video came out and it showed just how brutal and how aggressive he was. And people lost their minds over it. And that's when the NFL really started taking a lot of flack for their decision-making. That's where I personally draw the line. And then with this Le'Veon Bell situation, yeah, he's, you know, smoking up. He got caught with weed on his way to a plane for a preseason game with LeGarrette Blunt, And, you know, he served his time for that. This is a lapse in judgment for Le'Veon Bell, absolutely. And he needs to focus on himself. He doesn't think that it's a big deal, smoking weed, which, honestly, neither do I, but... He needs to be smarter knowing that, you know, this isn't allowed in his career and he needs to take those steps to be like, all right, in order to be successful personally, I need to know this is the date of my drug test. All he has to do is quit smoking weed for (laughs) one month. That's all he has to do. And he'll go there, take that drug test and he'll pass it and we'll move on from here. um, Ryan, I I thought that like what you said was really pertinent to why there is such an issue in the league. But I think, especially, but just all sporting leagues, but as far as, like, the Evander Kane situation goes, I find it hard, and and it sucks that we're in the industry that we have to talk about the player 
and not talk about the actions of the player because we're kind of forced into being the Buffalo Mark. We have to talk about Evander Kane and what it would mean if the Sabres lose him or if he can't play games because of this. But at the end of the day, if he put his hands on a woman and, and made physical contact, which he's being accused of doing, and he's not facing criminal charges, like he's not even facing criminal charges for this, for putting his hands on a woman, at the end of the day... You know, where do we come off as a society and not disciplining? It doesn't even come down to league discipline. Like, Evander Kane's not going to be criminally charged for a criminal act. And that just brings us to a whole other level of dumbfoundedness. Like, what are we doing as not only a society, but sports leagues? We're just letting this stuff go. And it's a continuing issue that hasn't been solved. And no, no suspension to a high-profile player is going to stop the next guy from putting his hands on a woman if he's going to do that. And it's just such a tough thing to to decide what you need to talk about in this situation. Is it the women that were harmed, or is it Evander Kane and his future playing sports? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. I mean, the one thing I think of as you're talking there is just the number of uh, celebrities that get in trouble for this, that, or the other thing and get off too. And just how long it's been going on with athletes and, and, and you know, celebrities. Seemingly and, forever. And, right. Anybody in the, in the public eye. And so as a sports fan, you end up with a great deal of frustration because you want your team to be represented well. You want your city to be represented well. You want to show on draft night, look, everyone, we created this thing, this big party, this big carnival atmosphere and a great show for the NHL in which we were being just heaped praise upon for how the draft went. And then you ruined it because you are you end up taking the headlines from it. So there's the frustration from the fan standpoint. And there's also from the organization standpoint, not just how you look, but also, I mean, we mentioned, you know, the weed thing in general, I think. I just wish leagues wouldn't pay attention to it at all. I mean, once we have states starting to make it legal, and it also does not enhance performance in any (laughs) – it would be the opposite way in in terms of performance. So I never got that element of it either. I mean, I don't don't think that – you know, I mean, what are we doing with some sort of morality clause here, right? I I never understood that. But if – I don't know what Carlos Williams was suspended for. I know it wasn't PEDs, so it might have been something else. But if it was weed, the thing with Carlos Williams is he is being taken off the field. And you mentioned that for Le'Veon Bell. And there were risks involved with him before. So when you have, that is one way that it can actually hurt your team. So if you are for finding character guys as opposed to guys that are high risk, that's one of your best arguments is these guys sometimes end up getting taken off the field. Sometimes it works out as a redemption story. Richie Incognito's on that path. And sometimes it ends up being taken entirely off the guy off the field and hurting your team like Carlos Williams is for the first four games of the season and like Evander Kane may if the NHL actually wields a hammer here. And it's something that you brought up, Richie Incognito. He was essentially blackballed by the league from teams league-wide. So maybe that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Not only do one team, Evander Kane, like you said, the talent is what makes this kind of difficult because he is a great player, but if the teams decide to blackball these guys collectively and, like, listen, we're not going to touch you. Not a single team in this league is going to touch you until you get your stuff together. And who do you blackball? Because Greg Hardy should have been. He was a disaster with uh, the Dallas Cowboys last year, 
And what he did and was convicted of, by the way, which is pretty rare, was reprehensible. And yet here we are, a team taking a, a, a chance on him. Mm-hmm. And they and they end up getting burned on it too. And not that I even would have after what he did, I wouldn't have wanted to see him succeed. But that's where I think it's tri- it really is rocky ground for everyone. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and they sign this guy who could get 12 sacks, but has also been convicted of beating his girlfriend, like uh, I, mean, I don't think I'm okay with that. Even yeah. if even if he gets a few big sacks. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here. We got some stuff coming up for you. Robin Flynn, TSN 690 of Montreal. She's going to join us a little Atlantic hockey talk. We'll get her thoughts on PK Subban, this Evander Kane situation, Pat Malacaro at one, the Bisons. They have Jose Bautista in town. He is playing tonight, Stars Wars night at Coca Cola Field, sold out. And then we'll finish the show off with Dave Buchanan, Jeff Gordon filling in for Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's a, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. We'll take your calls when we come back from break. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. It doesn't matter what the charges are. When someone's arrested, our policy, when you're going down into booking, it's a secure facility, and everyone, regardless of who they are, must be handcuffed into that area. So it had nothing to do with Mr. Kane. It had nothing to do with his charges. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, That is our policy. That's a policy when you go into any secure facility. That's Buffalo Police Chief Joe Gramalia there talking about Evander Kane here and how teams should go after these guys with character issues. Uh, Matthew brought this point up. Should owners, the Pagulas in particular in our market, in our city, should they be directing their managers? We talked about essentially Richie Incognito being blackballed out of the league for a year. Was that uh, a management decision or was this something that ownership was kind of directing their managers to say, Hey, this guy could potentially be terrible for our locker room situation. He could be essentially a bully. I know that's what they were saying last year in Buffalo. They wanted to build a bully and then bring in Richie Incognito to kind of solidify that. But should these owners, Terry Pagula, Kim Pagula, be directing their managers, Doug Whaley and Tim Murray, as in, hey, like, don't go after these kinds of guys. They, uh, they're, they're not good for our team. They're not good for our image. And, you know, they may perform well on the field, but there's a, there's a bigger picture here. Give us your thoughts, 803-0550, 550 Well, when it comes to whether they should direct Whaley and Murray – to go after only guys that have high character. I mean, for one, <laughs> it's hard to say sometimes that there's a former player, Dirk Hayhurst, used to be a baseball player, and he wrote a book about being in the minor leagues. And some of the players he said that are known as being classy and so forth, uh, maybe not exactly. And some of the guys I'm sure on both of these teams that are thought of as being classy and get heaped praise upon from the media because they're good with the media are not always uh, the best guys. And I would also say that quite a few probably get in trouble and you don't hear about it or whatever else may happen, or maybe uh, not very good teammates, but you don't hear about it because no one's going to come out and say, yeah, this guy over here, he's a really bad teammate. Here's the other thing that management knows that you can score a big home run sometimes on guys that supposedly have risk, whether it's in the draft. Think about Carlos Williams and how the narrative has changed pretty quick over his last, I'm going to say two incidents because I think showing up to practice uh, to camp out of shape 
we all made fun of the, oh, yeah, it was, his, his wife was pregnant or his girlfriend is pregnant, so he's eating a bunch of food. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, well, he still showed up out of shape, and that's not acceptable for a professional athlete, especially uh, a guy that's going to have, that was supposed to have a big role on the team. Um, but if you think about it from the other perspective, if that had worked out, a fifth-round draft pick, you spent almost nothing on the player and could be a big contributor to your team. And every general manager knows that. And that's the thing with Richie Incognito, that Doug Whaley understood that you give the guy a one-year deal and you say, look, if you have a peep come out of that mouth, you are gone. So this is your one chance. You cost nothing. We can cut you for whatever. And... If it hits, the guy's going to be amazing because he's still a great player. And then it hit, and he's been amazing. Now, that's not done with yet. He's still on the team, and he's still going to have to continue to act the way he did last year to keep that up, especially since they just paid him. But if you think about it that way, how many, how many times have we seen it work out? And Jerry Jones has been famous for it. The Patriots have been famous for it at times. They were the ones that went and picked up Albert Hainsworth. Now, that didn't work out, but... I mean, that's the thing is that they know that this is often an opportunity to get a low-risk, high-reward type of situation. The only risk is public embarrassment. And, I mean, that's where it's different with Evander Kane because they gave up a lot for Because it was a high risk. It was still a high-risk maneuver. It was high risk, and the price was high, too. And that's where I find it to be different. And I would also, anytime we're talking about a domestic violence issue also, I'm just out. Like when it when it comes to Carlos Williams, I didn't like the fact that they drafted him. I know that uh, he performed very well and he helped the team, but I'm never going to be for that. I'm never going to be for picking up a player accused of domestic violence. I'm just not a fan of that. Not a fan of how that. Not only just how that makes you look, but also just what that means in general of what your team is saying by picking that guy up. Like, well, you know, we don't really care. I mean, that's that's how it feels. And how it's perceived. And, and I, I draw the line there with almost any, any player, whether it's Ray Rice or Greg Hardy or any of them. I want nothing to do with them. But, you know, if you're talking about other problems like Richie Incognitos that, and, and, and Evander Kane, that's the difference with the situation. You had to give up Joel Armia, Brendan Lemieux, Tyler Myers, a bunch of other uh, a first, uh, round, first pick. round pick. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there was a, a big package you had to send there to get that player when you knew that there were concerns there already and that everybody couldn't wait to get him out of town in Winnipeg. And then brings to question uh, Tim Murray in this situation because you got to think Tim Murray is furious with Evander Kane because of what you just said. He went out and he paid a huge price to bring this guy in and to have him be doing the things that he's been doing. Uh, I've been reading through the, the Buffalo News coverage on Evander Kane. He's been a regular at Bottoms Up, uh, and that's why he was you know, there as a celebrity bartender because he had a, a good relationship with owners and managers there. Uh, Bottoms Up isn't exactly the best place for someone like Evander Kane to be. Can I say that uh, that Bottoms Up isn't a good place for anyone over the age of, like, 19 to be? You could say that, but, I mean, I think that's a pretty uh, bad statement to say. For a because, professional you know, athlete, though. Bar. Yeah, No, it is a bar, but it's a professional athlete. Like, you're just expected to be held at a different standard than everyone else, so why are you going to go into a bar like that? Like, that's just... it's. 
I don't want to make it about that. I, I don't want to make it about, you know, I, well, I've never been to the place. Neither have I. The, the, look, professional athletes should be able to go wherever they want to go. They should be able to party if they want to party. And they should Agreed. be able to drink if they want to drink or bar, celebrity bartend if they want to do that. It's just So I'm not going to judge the decision to go to this place or that place that where I judge in Evander Kane, well, or where I, I would say Evander Kane has the poor judgment, is putting himself in any sort of situation where he's going to get in trouble at 3 o'clock in the morning. And also you wonder, was this part of the issue in Winnipeg? That's where, that's where I come to with this. Because when it comes to a trade, you judge the process, not the result. You judge, hey, was it smart to trade Tyler Sagan? No, it was not smart to trade Tyler Sagan. Whether Sagan was a giant bust in Dallas or not, it was never smart to trade a guy that was drafted number two overall when he was that young because he supposedly didn't fit your culture. That all sounds ridiculous. But if the only issues with Evander Kane in Winnipeg were that he tweeted too much and... There wasn't a concern about him being in certain places at 3 o'clock in the morning and getting in fights with people and whatever else. Now, you did mention there was one uh, thing in Vancouver, right? right. There was, uh, but if there was none of that in any of the research that Tim Murray and the Sabres have done, then you could say, well, it would have been hard to predict that this happened, even though there were character issues. But if you throw away the details of what happened, it might have been easy to predict that there would be a Vander Kane drama with this team. And that's where it makes you question the process of deciding to trade that much for that player when you knew that there was a pretty decent probability of uh, there being some issues at some point. And not only the probability of there being issues, but just looking at what those issues were. And like you said, we're not aware there was nothing, no rumblings out of Winnipeg. And the Winnipeg fans were kind of all snarky with uh, the Buffalo people when that trade was made saying like, you guys don't really know what's going on. You don't really know the full story. You're just getting what's leaking out through the media. And maybe they had a better idea of what was going on. Not that it just wasn't, he's not getting along with his teammates and he's like you said, uh, taking shirtless pictures with money and flying around on his private jet, going to Vegas every weekend and stuff like that. Maybe there was more knowledge on a personal level in the fan base around Winnipeg about what was truly going on with Evander Kane there. So now we've heard from the uh, Pagulas before that they more or less want Doug Whaley, Rex Ryan, and Tim Murray and his staff to make the decisions themselves. I mean, this is up to you guys, and yeah, we'll give approval on something or you can ask us on something, but it's your, your guys' roster. You are the experts. You do this. Now... Next time, will they ask more questions or will they say, no, I do not want you to trade for this player who has been talked about in that city very poorly because of that? And I think that the mentality may change a bit. Now, this doesn't there are some players that are going to get in trouble that you never heard any real problems with before. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, there were I don't know, he didn't leave a tip or one of those things, you know, McCoy had made a couple of headlines for silly stuff, but never something like he did over the summer. But uh, will will they next time say, you know what, I think we're going to hold off on this because of the way that the people there tend to talk about this player. And they probably have better reason to do that with the hockey team than with the football team. 
because of the presence of Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart. Not only just, you don't, I mean, other players are replaceable. You don't need anybody except for them and Ristolainen. And then the rest you can build around. And most, most everyone, you could say, you're out of here. We'll find somebody else to fill in for you. And the Blackhawks prove that all the time. With the football team, unless Tyrod Taylor turns out to be great, like really great, they probably do need to continue to take risks on certain players with a talent level. Unless they feel that a lot of the talent in the NFL is replaceable, which I kind of feel that way. But I, I think they would probably say, unless Tyrod Taylor is Tom Brady and can carry your team no matter what, you have to do that a little bit. You have to do that a little bit more than you would have in the past. And I, I, I think that's going it's, to – it's a tough situation to be in for them as owners because your GM comes to you and says, well, we can draft this guy in the fifth round who is a first-round talent. Oh, yeah, but, you know, his girlfriend posted pictures of bruises on her arm and said he punched her. Like, what decision do you make there? In the fifth round, I'm thinking, you know what? You know, we'll take a chance. We'll give this guy a chance here. We'll see what he's all about. We'll try to get him into our program and get him into what we want to do and try to put him on a a solid path. And that's what every team thinks, right? That is what every team thinks. Every team thinks, well, if they're in our locker room and we can keep an eye on them, then they'll be fine. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I think that... Now that the Bills can bring players here from the outside, that players will sign here, for a long time, players wouldn't sign here. Right. And that they know here they're going to get paid, uh, I, think that, I think that changes things. I think that that should change a little bit of the mentality, even on the Buffalo Bills side. Because before it was like, well, <laughs> the only way we're ever going to get a guy is if we take a risk on him, and then the old ownership didn't want to do that a lot of the times, and it probably cost them at times with certain players. But in this case, I think maybe they could start backing away from that and putting a little more consideration into the type of people that you bring into the locker room and into these two franchises because it has bit them from behind. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a half dozen times at least over the last two summers. Yeah, absolutely. one one eight eight eight. 552-550 or 803-0550. Your thoughts, should ownership be taking more of a hands-on role when it comes to these players with character questions? We'll continue on here. This is Sports Talk Saturday. You're listening to WGR. Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Ryan Gates, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary behind the board here. Just a quick, do you think ownership, the Pagulas, should they take more responsibility for how their teams are crafted, especially guys with high character issues? You can give us a call, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Training camp uh, a week away now. Matthew, you'll be there next week, right? I, I got to tell you, even though it's usually really hot in the tent, it's one of my favorite things to do. It is one of my favorite things to do is to go out there and broadcast from the tent and have Players come over, do interviews. Last year, I interviewed Booby Dixon. Oh, that had to have been a riot. About Drake and, oh. and rap beefs. And so we had a conversation well, That's when about the Drake uh, Meek Mill thing was happening, yes, right? Yeah. Correct, correct. I couldn't remember who Drake was beefing with at beefing. the time. But, um, and we also, and uh, there was another wide receiver who had played with Tyrod Taylor before in Baltimore he was like a practice squad guy or like on the bubble uh Deontay Thompson I think his name was and he told lots of great stories and had lots of great things to say about Tyrod Taylor and was kind of hinting in the interview like "Eh? like 
this is the this, guy. This is the guy. And I, it really stuck out to me. So you get an opportunity to sit down with some guys before the pressure is really on. And uh, it's a great atmosphere out there. Lots of fans end up going out to see it. So I cannot wait for training camp. And hey, let me ask you a quick question. I know you yes. wanted to talk about fantasy a little bit here. Yeah, short segment. But, but yeah, what's up? yeah but, but let me ask you a uh, quick question. As we go into camp, do you think your guys in the afternoon, Chopin the Bulldog mm-hmm. and you, will spend more time talking about Tyrod Taylor or the Bills' defense during their time at camp? Oh, I got to say, I think it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. I think just his progress and what he does on the field and how he looks at training camp really is where the success of the season comes. We talked about it for 16 years here, that quarterback that we've been searching for as fans on the Bills. And if Tyrod can look the part, I don't think it really matters what the defense looks like at that point because you've got that guy. Obviously, you want the defense to take those step forwards with Rex Ryan and you know he's the defensive guru, one of the greatest defensive families of all time. But I think the talk's going to be all about Tyrod and how he's looking as not only a leader, but obviously his play on the field. And if Sammy Watkins is out on the field, how those two are looking together. So that's interesting because I thought of it the opposite way. I thought of it as after last year's 14 games from Tyrod Taylor, we have a pretty decent idea of what he is. I don't think anybody thinks this is Aaron Rodgers, but I also don't think anybody thinks this is Trent Edwards. I think where everyone stands on Taylor is that he is good enough to lead a team to the playoffs. And last year's eight and six as a starter. Even if you put 500 record on those two other games, if he had played against Cincinnati and Jacksonville, that puts you right uh, legitimately in the hunt. Not like you're four and seven and you're in the hunt. Like the graphics often say, love I, those graphics. But, but I, I think we have a good, we have a feel for what he is and what he's going to be this year. And maybe you think he's going to regress a little because people figure him out. Or maybe you think that he's going to take a ne- the next step forward in his second full year as a starter. The defense to me is the one that I have a tougher time putting a finger on. I mean, what's Stefan Gilmore's situation going to look like? Is he going to, and we'll talk about that a little later, but is, is he going to play? I mean, is he going to show up to camp and go through camp and play and be fine? Or is there going to be contract problems all the time? Shaq Lawson being out adds an extra level of intrigue to what the pass rush is supposed to look like without one of the guys who is really supposed to help it. And Aaron Williams' health is a huge deal here. I think Aaron Williams is the best player we never talk about on this team because he was out last season and I thought it was the biggest reason that the Bills' defense, him and Kyle Williams, but the biggest reason that they struggled was not having Aaron Williams in most of the time. Is he going to be healthy and fully recovered from his injury? I, I just think there are so many questions there, not even to mention the Rex and Rob Ryan factor on that defense. I'm looking at that more than the quarterback situation. It's going to be interesting, and as uh, Lewis Riddick pointed out earlier this week on the morning show, there's a lot of interest in this Bills training camp coming up. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Piazza, they're going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame tomorrow, and that brings up a lot of questions about that whole era of baseball. We'll get into a discussion about that. Matthew Collar, Ryan Gates, Nate Geary, you're listening to WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.